Hey everyone, I'm Brenda and I'm Julia, and you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Today, we have on with us Brittany Ng. You guys know her. She is an artist and an activist. You've seen her grace your screen in shows like Atlanta, Dynasty, The Resident, The Hate You Give, and of course, as Crystal in Boomerang on the BET Network, which is just so incredible, and Brittany is so freaking incredible in that role. We are so excited to have her. Hey, Britt. Hey, how are you? I I forgot to tell you, I always forget to tell people about my last name. It's like binge watch. (gasps) I pronounced it wrong. I'm so sorry. Totally okay. Like, it's honestly, I have to tell everybody. Like, yeah, it's like binge watching. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. Brittany Inge. Here we go. Girl, it's fine. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. Hey, girl, hey. Hey, we're so excited. And wow, actually, I really love that your name is pronounced like that. I know, right? right? So cool. You can do so many things with that. I know, I know. I, I love it, too. I love it. <laughs> and you should all binge Britney on Boomerang. Because okay. I have a okay. Binge. And I'm like, yeah, that's good. I, the reason why that's I love good. the last name is because my mother named me Britney, which is not original at all. So I think <laughs> the fact that my last name at least has a little something. It's got everything. It's amazing. <laughs> so, Brit, tell us about you. Introduce yourself. Who are you? Where are you from? And how old are you? Okay, so my name is Brittany Inge, as Julia said, and um, I'm originally from Laurel, Maryland, and I went to high school at Duke Ellington School of the Arts in Washington, D.C., and then I went to college uh, in Atlanta, Georgia at Spelman College, which is a historically black college, and I got my degree in music. I was very focused on singing at the time. I wanted to be Whitney Houston, and (laughs) I graduated from college, and everything kind of started to shift for me, Um, and we'll talk about that later, and I am 30 years old. Yes, and I've heard Britney sing. She's, guys, her voice is like an angel. (laughs) Me and Britney have been in class together for some time now, and she sang in class one time before I knew that she was a singer. I just thought she was an actor, and the whole class was in tears so oh my goodness Lord we're gonna press play after after this uh <laughs> recording <laughs> undertone music through the intro right. <laughs> and so Brittany this is my first time meeting you and I'm clearly so freaking excited to get to know you so I, I'm curious did you always know that you wanted to be a performer Yes, I always knew I was going to be an artist. That was always the goal. And I just thought that singing was going to be it for me. It's, it's kind of mm-hmm. like my spirit knew what I didn't know. You know, it's like my spirit knew that I was a storyteller and I mm-hmm. thought that the storytelling gift was going to be music solely. But it turns mm-hmm. out that I was really a, a different type of storyteller, an actor. Mm-hmm. That was my true calling. But I love musical theater and where I get to marry the two and all of that. So amazing. Yeah. So Brittany, tell us about Boomerang a little bit. Tell us about Crystal. We want to know. So Boomerang is a show. It comes on BET. Um, we've had two seasons so far. And my character, Crystal Garrett, she is recently divorced. She's in her 20s. 
Brittany is not anymore, but Crystal is in her 20s, and um, she's recently divorced, so she got married really young. She got married right out of college, so she has that interesting storyline, and her ex-husband is still, they're all still a part of the same friend group. So that's an interesting dynamic. And she's really just like a young woman finding her way. She thought she wanted her life to go one way. And it turns out that she really wanted something different. And she's kind of the, the mother of her friend group. And she's just very unapologetically black and proud. And she wears her natural hair and is a joy playing her. So yeah, she's proud of her curves, all of that. So. Oh, love that. Love that. And what a, what a real, so many aspects of that are so relevant and parallel to real life. And is, is really a lot about the, the part that you said about expecting your life to go one way and then it going a totally different way. Very relevant to really all ages. But I think a lot of women in their 20s really feel that, that stress over and, and anxiety over what if it doesn't go this way. But there could be so much beauty in a different path. Yes, there's so much beauty in like the discovery, right? Like, mm. and I think that's what we forget sometimes because we, those of us who have been taught to plan, I know for me, my mom raised yeah. me um, yeah. under the mantra, if you, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. And that was it, like, that was preached to me, that was pounded into my head. And so, you know, sometimes we feel like if, if it doesn't go exactly the way that, but you have to relinquish control anyway. We're not in control of it ultimately. You can plan and you can have intention and all of that and that's beautiful and you do have power in that way, but ultimately you're not running the show, you know? So it's just staying reminded yeah. of that, you know? It's so true. And it's so hard sometimes to let, let that go. It's so hard to, you can hear the universe talking to you, but sometimes you're just like, mm, I don't want to listen. I can't listen. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we have I feel like we have so many directions that we can take this conversation. in. so let so let's try we'll try and we're probably going to jump all over the place. But we know you're going to bring value no matter where we go. So So, um, diversity in Hollywood has been a really important topic, especially recently. Mm -hmm. Uh, We wish it had been for longer. But you know, this is this is where we are right now. So what has kind of been your experience with this so far? And have you faced any particular challenges coming up in the industry based on your gender and or race Mm -hmm. um so for me my experience has been like my first big role is boomerang and a black woman did that for me lena wade you know dime davis who's um our director and Mm co-showrunner black women did that for me bet is our network a black network did that for me so my experience has so far been that a lot of my opportunities have come from folks that look like me and i've love that i don't have an issue with that at all however for it as far as like an equal level playing field it would be nice if as much as uh like companies and networks say that they want to diversify well black people want to diversify their opportunities as well in ways and it would be great to be able to interact with artists and networks and directors of of all different backgrounds and obviously i've worked with directors of all kinds especially um but just in terms of those larger opportunities so far have been from my own people. And that is something that I've taken note of, like, oh, that's interesting. And I think it has to do with a number of things. Like, yes, I'm, I'm a black woman, a very proud black woman. I think it also has to do with body stuff, like body image and things like that. Like I'm a curvier woman. And in the black community, especially the way that I'm shaped is normal and celebrated and standard in a lot of ways. And Honestly, it's become the standard for the world at large because a lot of people like, you know, you have the Kardashians and and other folks um, who who have um, enhanced their bodies to mimic 
the way a lot of black women are naturally built. Mm -hmm. So it has become a standard of the world at large, but ultimately uh, the way black people view my body and the way white people view my body and like where I fall in the spectrum is very different. So I think that kind of has something to do with it. I think sometimes the curves can be distracting or, or they put me in a very specific category. Mm -hmm. I, I sometimes get auditions that specifically say like, you know, big girl or full figured. Mm -hmm. And I have no problem with that. But to black people, I'm not a big girl, like at all. I, to black people, I'm just curvy and normal and ideal, and, you know, and then there are our bigger girls like, you know, Lizzo or Amber Riley, like who are, rep Danielle Brooks, who are stunning and beautiful and representing for the big girls. But to them, if they heard somebody call me a big girl, they would be like, what? Right. You know? So yeah. the gaze and the lens is different. And so that's been my experience so far, just kind of um, observing and taking note of that. Yeah. yeah. That's definitely. So yeah, we body image and beauty standards is something that we talk about a lot on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And we've interviewed so many different women um, who just, you know, body image seems to be a big and beauty standards a really big focus in our world. And it's so interesting to hear that there are different standards for different people and that what we define as normal is different and how we internalize that, you know, how we feel about ourselves versus how other people feel about us or what we think they feel. Like there are just so many different layers. So yeah. I'm sure that's totally something else we could dive into. It, no, it is. Yeah, and it's, mm -hmm. it's really crazy. It's interesting. You know, I've just come into accepting my body more. Part of it is that I was forced to, because I'm on a television show now and I'm representing so many different women who haven't gotten to see themselves on TV. So there's a part of me that like, I have to pull up and be like, look girl, you better like yourself so you can represent for, for these women. <laughs> but what I've realized too, like in this season that we're all in as a nation, there's a lot of like unlearning and relearning that's taking place. Like I said, nationally, but for me personally, there's always been unlearning and relearning taking place in terms of how I view myself and how I look at my body. And what I've come to realize semi-recently is that so much of so many of the things that I beat myself up about as it relates to my body are rooted in white supremacy because we're, we're being taught that, you know, you're, you're too dark or your nose is too wide or your, your, your hair is too kinky or your hips are too wide. But like, where does that come from? It comes from the fact that white people, not all, but have, like are naturally dispositioned in a different way. Their noses are keener, their, whatever, their skin is paler, et cetera, et cetera. But who said, like, how can anything be two when it's perfect? Like, I don't understand, you know, like, I, yeah, I'm having to unlearn all of that. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And like, we talk, it's a topic we talk about, you know, all the time, obviously in a different light because, yeah. because I'm a white woman and Brenda's Latina white passing. Yeah. And even from like beauty standards being created by men and yeah, by like magazines and it's just like so it's such a multi-layered yes. system yes. that is so it's liberating when you can understand it like that but it's it's a difficult thing to disassociate because we're so definitely yeah it's hard yeah no it totally is but it it's so it's so interesting because it's like the something that we deem as normal is the lens through which we start to judge ourselves through if we're not meeting up to that. So it's so hard to unlearn and not like judge and shame ourselves for something that we're like, wait, do I have to actually believe those things that are being told? Like, yeah. oh my gosh. So yes, totally. Exactly. My goodness. Exactly. All of it. All of it. <laughs> so, yeah. All so Brittany, in, in regards to 
regards to diversity, and this includes body diversity, besides mm-hmm. everything, like, do you have any thoughts on, like, how the industry, going back to the Hollywood, can improve in that? I mean, I know that's a big, like, heavy, probably multi-layered question, um, yeah. but is there anything that, like, sticks out to you that it's like, hmm, we could do this, or we could do this, you know? Oh, that that is a really great great question. And it is multi-layered. I think the biggest thing is um, really leveling the playing field. And, you know, for so long, Black people have always been taught, you know, you have to work twice as hard. You have to work, and Black women have been taught, you have to work three times as hard, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Because we're Black and women. Um, And I would love if Hollywood would literally treat everyone the same. And what do I mean by that? There's so much untapped potential in so many people of all different backgrounds, but those people don't receive the same opportunities. There was a tweet that was circulating where they were talking about how Lena Dunham sold uh, girls to HBO with just a one sheet. She didn't have any scripts written yet. She just, she had the breakdown for what she wanted the show to look like. She had a one sheet and they gave her a show. Now there's nothing wrong. And see, that's the thing. And, and I, this conversation like tackles multiple things because whenever we talk about like dismantling white supremacy and you know equality, people think that folks who are pushing that narrative are trying to take white people's opportunities away. And that is not the case. There is nothing wrong with the fact that she was given that opportunity. She created a great show, it paid off for them. However, a black woman would not, I don't even have to say, I'll assume, I know, a black woman would not have been given that same opportunity without having all 10 of her scripts written and having them drafted at least 10 times already. Like she would have had to do all the things to get the exact same opportunity. And her show would have been just as great, but she would have had to put in all of that front end work that nobody asked Lena Dunham to do. And that is what we're talking about. Like those are the types of things when we talk about leveling the playing field that really need to change immediately because it also it puts in the minds of white people it does white people a disservice too that's the thing like black people and latinx people and asian people and all people are not the only ones who suffer from white supremacy so do white people because it makes you it, it warps your view it warps your view of what hard work is it warps your view of what other people are capable of. And it, it that skewed lens is not healthy and it's not fair to anyone. Yeah. I hope that made sense. So much sense, seriously. Yeah, I think it's gonna give people <laughs> a lot of perspective. And, mm-hmm. and kind of touching on what you said, what you expose yourself to is what you directly view as your reality, you know? So I, I feel like that that's, that's part of it, is if you're not, you know, part, participating and being part of changing this narrative, it's, yeah. I, I don't know, or, or even listening, even something as, as simple as listening, yeah. then it, it's not part of your reality because you're not directly experiencing it. Right. Um, so it's just, it's so interesting. I think that's going to give people a lot of perspective. I hope so. <laughs> Definitely. And do you have any, so many loaded questions, we love to do this. Do you have any thoughts on how fellow actors can play a role in, in supporting each other in, in the industry? Ooh, oh man. Well, there are lots of ways. I think the biggest thing is uh, listening. And I know we may talk more about this later, but I think listening is a big part of it because this conversation that we're in the midst of, like I said, as a nation is very multi-layered, but what it really comes down to is that this struggle and this journey sits on the backs of black people. 
And that is just the truth because every other group has been taught anti-Black biases as well. And sometimes people forget that. So it becomes like, oh, people of color. And, and that's not to negate the struggles that people of color as a whole have. But the term people of color can get very tricky for Black races, which are very specific and very isolated because oftentimes we are discriminated against by all the people of color as well, you know? And so I think I kind of forgot your question, but... Um, we love the listening piece. For sure. Yes, yes, listen, thank you very much. Yes. Um, so I just think it's really important that, that listening takes the front seat. Mm-hmm. And talking and defending and well, I'm I'm not racist takes a backseat because yeah. it, also people tend to misunderstand what it even means to be racist. Mm-hmm. They just think it's a bad word. Like, oh, I'm not just because you're not like actively openly hating people, you're saying that you're not racist. But we all have internalized biases and prejudices and racism inside of like it. It's just a part of the world that we live in. So if you can, fellow actors especially, like just open up our minds and our ears and our lenses a bit more to take that in. And I think that it will, it'll probably improve your instrument because the more open you can be to humanity, you know, like the better you get at telling folks stories, so. Definitely. That's what it's all about, empathy. Sure, yeah. Yeah. And and it's it's such a big piece because I, I think we've also been taught to have this this like like a, a guard up and always want to look like we're right and always perfect and afraid of something as as simple as being in a classroom and being afraid to raise your hand because you're to be wrong um i think that goes with saying something that you might fear this whole people pleaser in all of us that's scared of saying something that's going to offend someone in the world um right. but the reality is the more we align with the person that we truly are and admit when we're wrong and be open to learning i don't know i just feel like i've seen such a big shift in people being open to to being like, yep, I was wrong, and now here's what I'm seeing differently. Right. And then it's just it just makes everything better <laughs> because we're just willing to accept and, and learn. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. Brittany, you kind of mentioned it a little earlier on, but about seeing people that look like you on screen, it's it's so important. And I, I wonder what your experience was like that as a kid, like either seeing women that looked like you on screen or not seeing any women that looked like you on screen. And if there was one or was there anyone that you looked up to? Mm-hmm. Well, this, yeah, this question is so crazy for me. So for one, Whitney Houston was like my goal mm-hmm. in life. And what's interesting about Whitney, and this is just getting into how everything is just like the intersectionality of it all. Okay, so Whitney was everything to me. Whitney was this big. She was so thick, you know? And, and I obviously, yeah, like, loved, yeah, I, like, loved and admired her so much. I thought she was just statue. You know, she was, like, tall and long, but very thin. And so I did admire her, and I also found myself comparing myself to that and, and saying, oh, well, in order to be successful, I have to look like that, right? Then there was Destiny's Child, which was also my world. And you had Beyonce, who was curvy, like me. So I was like, look at her thighs, yes! Like, I was like so excited, but she was light-skinned. So I was like, oh, okay, so then do I have to? And she was the lead singer, like she got all the attention, she got all the all the accolades, all the stuff. Mm -hmm. And yes, she was built like I was, but she was light-skinned, her hair was, colored blonde, you know, it was very 
westernized European look. Okay. Then you had Kelly also in the group who was chocolate and gorgeous and loved Kelly, but thin. So it, it, it constant, it was this constant thing of like, you know, then you have Michelle who, cause I'm doing the most recent iteration of Desi's job. Then you have Michelle who was just an underdog, which also spoke to me. Michelle is pristine. Her voice is amazing, but people, she was constantly treated as the underdog. So I also connected to that that thing just for my like own internal battles and struggles. So I was I was getting it from, from all ends. So I did see people that represented me. I did see folks that I could resonate with, but I never saw someone who really embodied everything that mm-hmm. that I bring, everything that I am now able to thank God, you know, represent for someone else. So yeah, I mean I think I think Crystal's doing that for a lot of women. Thank you. I, I hope so. <laughs> I think I think she is. I know she is. So, <laughs> but yeah, so it was interesting. It sent me a lot of mixed signals. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that that definitely makes your character and just everything that you're doing extra powerful because ha- it's just so I don't know the way we compare ourselves to figures and all that stuff. So to have something that really aligns with who you are and 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 to see someone that is a, really a role model and and all the things so powerful. Thank you. Do you have? I'm curious if you have any advice for a young woman wanting to pursue a career in the arts. Ooh. Lots of advice. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of tricks up my sleeve. <laughs> I just have lots of th- because you know what I get asked this question so much. I mm-hmm. I constantly, virtually at least, try to mentor young actors, aspiring actors, um, and they're usually young women and usually young black women. Um, and I always say a few things. One is that you have to be willing to invest in yourself. That is like my, and that's just, that's, it's general, but we're talking about women. So, um, but you have to be willing to invest in yourself and you can't ask someone to invest in you, whether it's time, money, et cetera, if you haven't invested any of those things into yourself. So that's always the biggest thing, especially for younger folks now, because we like, we want things quick, you know, with the microwave generation. And then we have the Instagram generation, which are younger than us. And they're just, everything is instant, literally. And I'm like, yeah, but you have to be willing to do some of that work on your own. People like to hop on a moving train. They like, you should already be doing some of the work, you know? So that's a big one. And the other thing I always tell people is that knowing the business will get you in the room, but knowing the craft will keep you there. And I always say that because so many folks, especially uh, people who like go to these theater programs for college or um, grad school, you're taught so much technique. You're taught so much about the craft of acting. But in my opinion, schools don't do a great job of teaching folks the business. And you really need both. And so I always just encourage people, as much as you know about craft and all the different techniques and all the different teachers and all the different terms, that's great. And you need that. But you need to know just as much about the business because that's what's going to get you in the room. And all that technique you learned will keep you there. But if all you got is technique and you don't have the proper, you know, equipment and, and tools to get yourself in the room to show what you've learned, then what is it all for? Really good advice. It really is. Kind of bringing it back to what we were talking about before mm-hmm. with activism. You are so active on your social media about activism and all social issues that are important to you. How mm-hmm. are you using your platform right now to bring awareness to the Black Lives Matter movement uh, and ma- any other social issue that's really important to you? Well, for me, it's it's always been, like, I would post the things that I post and share the things that I share no matter what type of platform I had. It just so happens that now I'm on a TV show, so it's a, <laughs> the audience is a little bit 
bigger. And so all that means for me is that I'm able to reach more people, but I would be posting it no matter what, because before I'm an actor, before I'm anything, I'm a citizen of the world, you know, and injustice is, it never sits well with me. I'm a Libra. I like balance. So <laughs> it never sits well with me. And, um, you know, as a black person specifically, and a black person who was born in America, my existence is political already. Yeah. Just the fact that I exist and everything that my ancestors have been through in this country, me existing is a political statement. Me showing up on your TV is a political statement, whether I like it or not. Me choosing to wear my hair curly and unstraightened is a political statement. So I'm aware of all of that. And I just use my platform as a vehicle and an opportunity to share how I feel and what I believe. And I actually had someone ask me today, like, do you ever worry that you sharing or speaking out against injustice would hinder you from getting jobs or things like that. And I was saying to them, I was like, you know, there was a time where I, where I thought about that. I no longer do. I'm very intentional about not thinking about it anymore because yeah, that's what right. I feel is that if I lost out on a job because those producers or directors or that network didn't like me expressing not only my truth, but the truth. Let's, let's be very real. The truth. Absolutely. Me, me and Julia, to be fully, fully honest here, yeah. me and Julia had a conversation, you know, when everything started picking up and, and, you know, there was a lot more attention on the Black Lives Matter movement and we both are extreme people pleasers. So we just, you know, we, everyone wants to craft the perfect, most holistic, you know, encompassing all the pieces. And we were having a conversation and then we came to the conclusion. We're like, hold on a second. Do, like, do we realize what we're talking about here? Like if, if this is the reason why people stop listening or stop following our account, we don't want them here anyway. Like, exactly. you know, <laughs> so exactly. it's, yeah. It, it was, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you don't, do I even want to be connected to those folks and their energy and their, whatever they're working on? It, nothing is that great. No project is that great. No project is worth me selling my soul or not speaking up about my identity. Like this is literally who I am. And my people and my brothers and sisters in the world are under attack. Mm -hmm. how, how can I be wrong for speaking up about that? And how can you feel okay with that? Right. As a fellow human in this world, like how are you okay with that? Right, 100%. Brittany, you posted um, a video, I think it was like about a month ago now. Mm -hmm. you, um, you were sharing a story about an experience that a friend of yours had, mm -hmm. and you were talking about that experience in relation to allyship and listening. Going yes. back to that, it was a very powerful story for me. I wonder if you could like share a little bit about that and maybe like unpack that a little bit for us because I thought that that was like super, super important. Sure. And I'll, I'll try to do it briefly. <laughs> um, a friend of mine was out to eat. Uh, a middle-aged white gentleman approached him. This was at the peak of everything. I think George Floyd had just been murdered maybe a week prior. And he approached my friend and he was like, hey, you know, sorry to disturb you. I just wanted to ask if I could buy your lunch. Uh, you know, with everything going on in the world, I just wanted to do something nice. I'm not trying to appease my ego or my guilt. I just wanted to do something nice. And my friend, you know, shook his hand, asked his name. They had a nice exchange. And he was like, thank you so much. Actually, I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm good to cover this. But it would be so great if, you know, maybe you gave someone who really needed a meal, a Black person who's really in need of a meal, and did that for them because that would really bless them and be helpful to my community. So thank you. And the man was like, okay, cool. And he left or so my friend thought. So uh, 20 minutes later, the waiter comes, get, brings my friend the check. And as the waiter hands the check, 
the white guy comes out of nowhere and steps in front of my friend and gives the waiter his car. And what I didn't get to say in the video is that my friend was telling me like, it was like a spiral moment for him because he didn't want to cause a scene, but he was, it was an affront to, to everything he had just said. So he, he did not feel good about it. He was angry for a minute, you know, but then he didn't want to make it a, a thing. So it happened and he left. And what I got from that story that I was, and I was sharing it on Instagram is that there's a lack of listening. And if you call yourself an ally or you say that you want to help in this movement, the very first thing you have to be willing to do is listen and don't do for Black people what you think you should do for us. Don't give to us what you think we need. Ask us what we need. Then listen to what we're telling you. He specifically told him not only what he needed, but what his community needed, which was someone else in need receiving that meal, receiving that blessing. He was very clear. My community needs this. And instead of really listening to that, that ally, air quotes for those listening, um, decided to do what the ally felt was in the best interest of the community. That is just continuing to perpetuate white supremacy. You think you know as a white person what's better for me than than what I know. How? 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 Help me understand how that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you just have to be willing to listen. And I think, you know... To be real, I think a lot of white people are not used to listening to people of color. A hundred percent. Any, they're not used to listening and having to then act on what that means. Like, and I, I felt it even when I said in the video, like you have to listen to black people. That that's triggering for some folks. But yes, you do. Like it is. T- we've been listening to y'all for two. <laughs> you know, like yes, you have to listen, and it's not about listen to me and do what I say. No, listen to learn. Right. Listen to learn. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of working off of that, has there been something that you've seen, read, or heard in relation to the Black Lives Matter movement that has inspired you? Mm. Um, the thing that's really been inspiring me lately is this idea of reimagining what policing looks like. I think that's really important. And I, I wish that more people weren't afraid of that because it's, it's really weird when we were talking about, you know, when they were talking about defunding Planned Parenthood, they understood what defund meant then. But all of a sudden, now that it's defund the police, it, it's that everybody's, oh, there aren't going to be, there's going to be no way to protect us. Is that what it meant when you were defunding education? Or do we still have schools? We still have, you know, like, I'm just trying to understand, like, obviously, that's not what it means. But I am inspired by the by the idea of reimagining policing and folks being able to really police themselves inside their communities. And that's the thing. Police has become a bad word. So the idea of policing your own community sounds like almost evil. But that's that's not so many communities already self-police. All it means is that when something goes down or you have a rowdy neighbor or something, instead of calling the police, you can knock on their door yourself and, and handle it that way. Like people do this all the time. You have a neighbor who, I don't know, whose car is doing something weird and you go out and help. That is, commun- those, that is called communities coming together and organizing and policing and managing themselves. It's very doable. And it's not to say that we don't need police at all. Obviously, there are still violent crimes that will unfortunately take place. 
we understand all of that. But the idea of reimagining everyday policing and how uh, folks with mental illnesses are dealt with and all of that, I'm very inspired by that. And I hope it's a conversation that continues. When I found that concept coming into the mainstream, I started to get really excited because I was like, oh, this they're saying defund the police on the news? Oh, okay, this something something could happen. Like we've never gotten to this point before. So as crazy a time as this is, it also made me very hopeful. Brittany, you're you're so awesome. You're you've shared so many amazing things with us. Obviously, in order to take care of other people, we need mm-hmm. to also take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. I know that's been a struggle for a lot of people during this time between, you know, how heavy this whole social movement has been and plus COVID plus whatever. Yes. So, yeah, and we love self-care here. So do you have any self-care secrets? Ooh. How are you, how are you taking care of you? Um, oh, so my biggest self-care thing right now, what I've had to learn about self-care is that self-care is not always like the fun stuff, like massages and pedicures, which I love. I am that girl. Okay, and COVID took away some of my pampered high maintenance dreams because I'm a high maintenance gal. Um, (laughs) so I've had to learn that you know self-care isn't just about the fun stuff self-care is sometimes the things that you don't want to do but need to do right so Mm -hmm. like therapy or you know I've I've started working with a life coach uh, because I was in therapy for like the last I think three years and I got a lot from that but I came to a point where I needed something different and so life coach kind of serves that purpose Um, so having sessions with her a form of self-care and that is actually something that I enjoy, but I just say that because sometimes, you know, therapists and life coaches hold up a mirror and they make you really assess some things. And there are times where totally. I'm gathered in these sessions, um, but it's, it's good for me, you know? So that is big. Um, and another thing is moving my body. Exercise is a big self-care thing for me. I don't always enjoy doing it, <laughs> but I do it because it's, it hits up multiple areas for me number one i feel great afterwards i never want to do it but i always feel great afterwards yeah like always never never fail totally it also is helping with my it helps keep my mental energy and my spirit positive and it helps me with my body positivity goals you know it keeps me on the path of like you know what you're working not even on your body but you're being kind to your body you're moving your body you're you're getting your immune system, you know, making it stronger, all of that. So those are my two, I guess. I love that. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, seriously. And we, we say a lot, often we feel resistance towards certain things that we may end up loving, but don't feel good initially. Right. And the way I, I try and think about it myself, I'm like, okay, I don't love going to the dentist, but sometimes I like candy and like, maybe I have a cavity and have to go to the dentist to just make sure we're all good, <laughs> you know? So there are just some things that we benefit from doing even if there's resistance so for sure absolutely that yes yeah (laughs) yeah and I think another little piece from what you mentioned with exercise and such is that like I we've been conditioned to believe that like the only reason people exercise is to change their body you know when like there are so many other little pieces and there are so many other reasons why people do it but it's just not the narrative we're taught to to believe so you've you've brought us so much so much joy yes, and, <laughs> and knowledge so i'm so glad you said that brenda because also like i had to readjust that for myself again unlearning and relearning yeah. for the longest i thought that my the reason why i should exercise was to change my body then i learned to accept my body and i realized hey i kind of I like this 
butt and these hips and you know yes. so like mm-hmm. so I do obviously want to look nice to of myself course. but more than that for me I just started changing the narrative in my head and said I'm doing this for my health I'm yeah. going to live a long or fruitful life I want to have children one day I want to be here for them like I'm mm-hmm. thinking in in those terms when I work out now instead of saying like oh I'm trying to be this size or yes many pounds through all of that. Yeah. And it makes such a difference in like the way we carry ourselves throughout a workout. I was thinking today, I I was like, oh my gosh, the thoughts that used to run through my head, like, all right, a little bit longer so that you can fit into a dress so that you can feel beautiful, blah, blah, blah. And now I literally said to myself today, I'm like, whoa, I'm like, none of those thoughts cross my mind. I it's, it's just about one of the lines that someone I really admire says is making my body a stronger place for my soul and I'm like oh like ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all the snaps <laughs> that is so good yeah I wow I'm stealing that that is <laughs> yeah that's exactly what it is and that's what I had to learn like this yeah. is just for my health I I started posting on Instagram whenever I would work out like to hell to hell nothing else it's not about weight loss it's not about being it. snatched to hell I just want my health. If you don't have health, you don't have anything. So mm-hmm. I just put health at the forefront and not weight loss, and it changed everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So important. So, so, so important. Obviously, exercise is probably a part of this, but do you have any daily routines and or rituals that you do every day that uh, help you either set up your day or that are important for your, for mm-hmm. your self-care? Yes. I. So I definitely meditate. Um and I do affirmations and I, you know, I pray, I do all the things and I don't always do them in the same order or at the same frequency um, (laughs) every day or every week, but that is something that I need, Mm -hmm. like need. And another thing that really helps me is because I am a millennial and I do love social media and I am on Instagram a lot, specifically Instagram. So I'm very specific about the pages that I follow Mm. so that, if I'm going to spend that much time on Instagram, I need to be getting some soul food in the midst mm-hmm. of all the stuff that's on yeah. Instagram. And so I'm, that helps me as well because there are times when I'm just scrolling when I shouldn't be, when I could be doing something a lot more productive, but something catches me and it speaks to my spirit and it's just what I needed. Mm-hmm. And it's because I've curated the types of pages that I'm following and the soul food that they're pouring out. So that helps me as well. Mm, so important. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Setting absolutely. boundaries with social That's media. a life hack. That's a life hack. Yeah. Positivity on, on your feed. And then if you're there anyway, you'll get yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Your yeah. visual diet. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. 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 Yep. And setting boundaries like with social media has been so huge for me. It's, you know, yeah, and learning, learning how much we can take at a time and, and what you know, what we surround ourselves with. And yes. a lot of times that is the little phone in front of our face really impacts us and our mental health and our, and, and our energy and our ability to give to others. So yeah, yeah. that's so important. Brittany, yeah. you have been unbelievable. Incredible. You are so wise beyond your years. So oh well-spoken. <laughs> Thank you. Just an, you're such a I wish people could like see you Brittany because I wish this wasn't audio because Brittany is like such a ball of 
light and like you just see like her smile is literally light like beaming out of the screen she's she's so wonderful to talk to and before we let you go Brittany we just have two little questions for you Uh, this is a question we ask all our guests that come on the show if you could tell your 20s year old self one thing Mm -hmm. what would it be Mm. if I could tell my 20 year old self something what would it be I would tell 20 year old Brittany to remember that the moment that she's inside of will not define her whole life. Like your life is bigger than the moment that you're inside of. Cause so often, especially, and I know where I was when I was 20, it was not good. Um, (laughs) So often, you know, we're dealing with things and we can only see what's right in front of us. And we think, that's going to be it. Not because we don't know, obviously there's more life to live, but you get so consumed with what's happening right in front of you that you let it take over everything. And so I just wish someone would have told me like, Hey, this moment, this season, it's a thing. It's going to pass and it's not going to define your life. So that's what I would tell her. Wow. 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 I think so many people are going to be like, I'm listening to this podcast for a reason. I love that. And Brittany, our last question is, where can people find you? So Instagram, website, and are there any fun projects you want to plug? Well, Instagram for sure. Again, I'm a millennial, so you'll find me there for certain, okay? Um, And it's at Fringe, no spaces, no no nothing. Um, Brittany is spelled <clears throat> the correct way, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y. And my last name is Inge, I-N-G-E. So you can find me on Instagram. I do have a website, same thing, Um, No fun projects to plug right now. Oh, that's a lie. One, I did do a short film that is like quarantine content that I thought was so cool and I'm so proud of. I'm this playwright out of New York. His name's Jordan E. Cooper. He and Danielle Brooks from uh, Orange is the New Black, they produced a short film and I was cast in it and we did it virtually through Zoom. It's very cool. It's called Mama's Got a Call and you can find it on YouTube. Yeah, so that's a really like fun project that I got to do you know, while being quarantined, I still got to flex my actor muscles and I was very grateful for that opportunity. So that's a good thing. And hopefully I'll have some good news soon. Julia kind of knows, but we're keeping, mom is the word. Mom is the word. word, But maybe (laughs) really good news coming. Hopefully I'll have some fantastic news, maybe next So, and then, you know, if you follow me on Instagram from listening to this, you'll be able to see that good news. You'll know. There we go. (laughs) Brittany, thank you so, so, so much for your time. Thank you. It's been such a joy. And we can't thank you enough. Oh, thank you guys. This was great. Loved your questions. Love your energy. You guys are adorable and brilliant. And thank you guys for doing this. And I hope that it touches and reaches the people that it needs to. I hope so too. It means the world. I hope so too. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe. You're never alone. Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Roaring Twenties Podcast. You get to start your week with us and end your week with us. With With love, Brenda and Julia.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.